listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. about my wrestling week if you don't mind sure. i know you want to talk about what's going on locally but i just i had an interesting week because i was sick this week and so i found myself with a lot more free time than normal and watching everything that i could get my hands on because i was like mike's got my interest peaked and i could spend a little bit more time so first off last week we had jonathan hood on and at one point jonathan and you have both gone over how aew doesn't seem to be doing like their, their guys aren't aren't performing the moves the right way that you know it doesn't it just doesn't look as good it doesn't look as crisp I sat there I watched some AEW I agree I, I watched it and I was I mean I really sat there and watched the whole thing and I thought to myself especially after going and looking at WWE Network and watching some of the Monday Night Wars thing the first thing that struck me was this doesn't look as good as Nitro you know, like Nitro felt like it was at least close to the level of WWE. It doesn't feel that way. Are you surprised that I say that as I as I watch the full a full episode and really dig into one? Maybe a little bit. I mean, um, AEW obviously they're 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 building from the ground up, and what they have, what no other company's ever had, is like live TV on a major network immediately upon their start. I mean, WWE even had to grow many many years ago into their TV and all that. So yeah, you may cut them a little bit of slack, but yeah, it's it's the talent divide that Jay Hood and I were talking about last week between the main event guys and then the rest of the card. I mean, they do have a couple of decent mid-carders, but they do have to build that up a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, there are still some some folks that are maybe a little less than ready to be on the national scene. I, I, and don't get me wrong, I love the fact that Cody Rhodes and Tony Khan and everybody up in the AEW brass is giving everybody a shot to be in the big time but maybe some of them aren't ready. On the whole, I still think it's a pretty good show. I mean, obviously, when we did the top five, I had them in my top five. I mean, that, that can change by the second, literally, with any promotion locally or nationally. I mean, I'm a little surprised by what you said about it, but at the same time, you know, I can see it too. Can okay, totally see it. before we get into the local stuff going on and Steve Tortorello, our guest promoter of Warrior Wrestling, principal of Marion Catholic, we're excited to have him on the line here in just moments. The other thing brings me to my weekly segment, Explain This to Me Like I'm a Noob. So I'm watching a lot of WWE Network, especially yesterday. Like, I couldn't leave the couch yesterday. I was a mess. I was worried we wouldn't be able to do the show. I woke up today, I felt like 80% better. But I was just a disaster yesterday. Everybody left me alone. I'm just flipping around, and I got the Roku, and I'm going through shows on WWE Network that I may have missed. And I had not watched any of the Steve Austin Broken Skull stuff. And there's three interviews in there. There's his his uh, Undertaker interview, his Goldberg interview, his Kane interview. They're all like about an hour and 15 minutes long. They were all interesting. 
but the Undertaker one struck me. And what struck me was when he lost the streak at WrestleMania, when he was 21 and 0 and went 21 and 1. And at the time, I remember there was an awful lot of speculation, but in the interview, Undertaker says he was concussed very early on. Does not remember anything from like 3 o'clock in the afternoon until about 4 in the morning that night. Still does not have any memory of what happened in the ring whatsoever. Has had to watch film and can't figure out when he got hit and when he lost his memory. So explain this to me like I'm a noob. Is it possible, and would anybody ever really admit it, that he was such a wreck in the ring that that wasn't the planned result? Or do you think that just like how Steve Austin broke his neck one time and Owen Hart dragged him on top of him because they wanted to get the finish they had to get, that they, even if he's out of it, which Lesnar, he said, didn't realize he was out of it, is it possible that somebody missed something and he didn't kick out when he was supposed to? Or do you think that was what it was always supposed to happen? I, From what I've heard in other like reports and interviews and stuff, people said that it was Undertaker's decision for the streak to end to Brock Lesnar. That, okay. And it was made that day. It wasn't anything that was really planned out in advance. But there's no chance that it's a cover-up. When you re- when you hear this more, most recent interview, there's no chance that that was covered up. Like you, you, you think that these guys still find a way to get to the end result no matter what. Well, possibly. It could have been a cover-up. But um, honestly, I've never heard, I don't re- remember the concussion part of it until you mentioned it from yeah, the uh, he's, he from talks interview. about it. I, I think it was the first time I had ever heard it on the, on the yeah. Austin uh, uh, podcast. It's not really a podcast. It's like he's sitting at a desk. There's like three episodes of it. It's in the documentary section on the network. Right. And, he, and it's an hour and a half they talk. And it's like a little throw. He only talks about it like towards the back end of it for maybe about four or five minutes. But when he talks about it, he gets choked up and he's very upset about it. But he does explain like he doesn't know who was in that ring because he doesn't remember a thing. He never experienced it. He doesn't know what the heck was going on in there. So, like, I mean, it's like one of those things. That, and Austin seemed surprised when he said it to him. So, to me, it felt like a very new revelation. And I just thought I'd run that by you. But thank you very much for explaining that to me like I'm a noob. Steve Tortorello is up here in moments. You want to get to him now and then get to the local stuff? What do you want to do? Let's do the local stuff real quick. All right. All right. Uh, f- this past weekend, Chicago area, great weekend of wrestling. Uh, the three shows that really stood out were Freelance, Freelance Underground, and Rocket Pro Wrestling. All three of them had sold-out houses. Freelance Friday at Logan Square Auditorium and a turnaway turn crowd of about 400 or so. In fact, I was talking to somebody the other night saying that they had to you know, tell people, sorry, you can't come in. The mat main event was Kylie Ray, who's the freelance world champion. She defeated the dastardly Robert Ego Anthony in a very brutal match. And of course, Ego had Frank in his corner after the match, after Kylie won, a bl- uh, beat a bloody Robert Ego. Uh, Frank the Clown attacked Kylie after the match and af- and moments later, a guy who had disappeared from the scene for a few months, a guy named Craig Mitchell, came back after sabbatical to save Kylie from that post-match attack. It'll be interesting to see what Craig's future is with Freelance and if Robert Eagle and Anthony has any more interaction with Kylie after that or even with Craig Mitchell. So that'll be interesting to see what happens in the weeks to come. I personally was at Freelance Underground. We're just getting started on Saturday night in Joliet at the Cantini VFW. And that main event saw GPA retain the Freelance Underground Championship against Joliet's own Egotistical Fantastico. <laughs> yeah, and that name sounds familiar because it, it, it well, breaking it here, and he's he probably is okay with it, I would assume. He's the same guy as Robert Ego Anthony, <laughs> but only under a mask as a babyface. That match ended. Ego had him up in his finishing move which is a Death Valley driver, and he's about to hit him with it. GPA very slyly reaches down, grabs the mask, 
takes it right off. Ego covers his face as GPA rolls him up for the three count. So great baby face and great heel work there by GPA. Busy. Busy yes. this week. Yeah. Busy, yeah. And then also real quick at Underground, we had Laney Luck defeating J.J. Garrett to retain the Freelance uh, Underground Independent Championship. The Brothers of Funstruction, you got to love that name. Ruffo and Yabo defeated the Coco Buffs of Marche Rock and Acid Jazz to retain the Freelance Underground Tag Titles. And Kylie Ray was also on that show. She defeated Elena Black by submission. And in a couple of other decent, uh, pretty strong matches, we had Jesus Bryce of the following uh, defeating Project Monix after Elena Black interfered on the behalf of Jesus Bryce. And in a three-way match, the powerhouse Shane Mercer defeated Tony Deppin and Jason Cade in a, in a match that kind of was very underrated but stole the show. And also Rocket Pro, which was down the street in Joliet, also a very strong show. And Marche Rocket also worked that show. So he was pulling double duty that night, which I thought was very interesting. Got to make that money, I guess. Windy City Slam is expanding, Mike. Now find it on Google Play. It'll be Spotify up in a couple of weeks here. We're almost to that point. You got it on iTunes. You can go to Podbean. That app has it as well. It is spreading on Stitcher Radio now. You can subscribe on all those services. So if you are listening and you like it and you don't want to miss anything, make sure you subscribe on any podcast player that you're trying to get through. And if you ever have any questions, you can call in 24-7 and ask Mike at 708-459-8406. That line is always open. Windy City Slam is found everywhere. Podcasts can be found and always at WindyCitySlam.com. Here today joining us on the phone line is Warrior Wrestling Promoter Steve Tortorello. Hey Mike, my friend, how are you? I'm good. Real quick before we get into the Warrior Wrestling 8, which is this weekend at Marion Catholic High School, Steve's shoot job is that he, as they call it in the wrestling business, is that he's the principal at Marion Catholic High School. So now Steve, let's get into how you got into wrestling and how Warrior Wrestling began. Oh my gosh! Well, the how I got into wrestling could be a, a two-hour story, but I'll give you the in, in keeping with the school theme. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version of it. I was a wrestling fan in the '80s as a young kid, and fell out of it in the '90s, and and really disliked it actively, disliked it in the mid '90s, and so much so that I would regularly tease a couple of my best friends, who were two brothers, Conrad and Andrew, about how could they possibly like wrestling? It was so silly, it was so stupid, etc. And I teased and harassed them so much that uh, one night in the summer of 1998 they were like alright sit down we're showing you last week's pay-per-view which they had taped off the TV and they showed me the WWF 1998 King of the Ring with Undertaker and Mankind Hell in the Cell and it just it was like I, I compare this in my my shoot job of being a Catholic high school teacher to like when Saul saw Jesus and the Son on the road to Damascus and falls off his horse and becomes St. Paul and he becomes the evangelist of the gospel of Jesus well that was me seeing you know Jesus in wrestling in Mankind and the Undertaker and going, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And so from that moment forward, I, I kind of just fell deeper and deeper in love with wrestling as an entertainment form, as an art form, as just a community. And it's been no looking back ever since. So about 22 years ago, my my obsession began. So it's been almost two years since the concept of warrior wrestling was born. Tell me a little bit about the, the how and the why. 
Sure. Great question. So I, prior to Warrior, I had been involved for over a decade in sketch and improv comedy and actually owned a sketch and improv troupe that traveled around and did fundraiser shows similar to what we're, we're shooting to do with Warrior. And uh, we retired that group in 2014, and I had been itching for something else creative to do. And I loved wrestling, as I said, for at that point, you know, 15, 20 years. And I was looking for a way to get more involved, and I sniffed around trying to help with some various independent groups and didn't really get any nibbles or anything. And then I just kind of decided... I'm going to start my own thing. I'm going to do my own thing. This is going to be my new creative project. And my buddy Eric Hamilton, who's my right-hand man in all this, we were talking about it one day, and we are at a Notre Dame football game in fall of 2017. And he said, you know, you don't really care about making money off of this, do you? I said, no, not at all. I just want to do it. He goes, why don't you do it at the school? Use the school as the venue. You can give all the money back to the school, and that, that would be the perfect combination of both worlds. And before that, I had been trying to keep the two worlds separate, but I realized, no, he's right. We've got to do it at the school. So I pitched it to my boss, the president here at Marion, uh, Vince Kredinsky, and he absolutely loved the idea. He's always up for something different, and Warrior Wrestling was born. Our first show was put on the books, and we spent the spring of 2018 preparing for it, and it went off better than we could have ever imagined, and now we're off and running. So now let's get into Saturday Night Show. Warrior Wrestling 8, Marion Catholic High School, Chicago Heights, Illinois, South Suburbs. Well, we have a VIP Fan Fest at 5 p.m. and bell time is 7 p.m. Talk to us a little bit about how the VIP Fan Fest works and then we'll get into the show. Awesome. The VIP Fan Fest is, and obviously we're promoting it, so we're, we're doing that, but it's the truth. It's the best deal in wrestling. It's a $100 ticket, which everybody goes, oh my gosh, $100. But for that $100, you get an autograph on something you bring and a picture on your own camera with every single wrestler on the show. So that is 39 wrestlers for this event. So you're talking a little over 2 bucks per autograph for Bully Ray, Tessa Blanchard, Brian Cage, Lance Archer, Jonathan Gresham, Cavernario, Shima, you name it. The list goes on and on and on. So it's an incredible time. We also have a variety of podcasts and vendors set up in the FanFest, and it really is meant to just be a festival of wrestling. You're paying your, your VIP FanFest ticket to be part of that really cool couple of hours. And then after that, you go right into the show itself. So it's really it's a can't-miss opportunity. And on the show itself, you have a ton of stacked matches, including your main event, which is called a War of Attrition match. And I'll run down the participants really, really quickly. We have Lance Archer, we have Michael Elgin, Sam Adonis, Alex Zane, Andrew Everett, Torres, Aramis, and then a mystery entrant to be determined at the show because Warrior Wrestling Champion Brian Cage is injured. And I'll talk a little bit about the match itself and how it's constructed. Thank you. So, yeah, we came up with this. We did the first one in 2018, and that's how we crowned our first champion, Brian Cage. And now, ironically, we're definitely going to be crowning our second champion in the War of Attrition. And we'd come up with this idea a while before of just how do you, how would you determine who is the absolute best at something? Well, if you took eight of the most incredible athletes in the world and you put them in one match where they slowly and systematically got eliminated till you were down to one survivor, one person who could hang on all the way, that person would be worthy of being a champion. And ironically enough, again, that's how we crowned the first champion. And Brian Cage requested this match. He'd been asking us for a couple shows. He's like, I have to defend the belt in a war of attrition again. I have to take on the world. And so we set it up per the machine's request. And then he went down with the bicep tear. So he will not be able to be in the match, but he will present the title to the winner. 
And we think that this match is going to be incredible. You've got a couple of monsters in there, an Archer and Elgin and Adonis, and some incredible high flyers and Aramis and Zane and Everett. And obviously Taurus is a total wild card. And then all of a sudden, one mystery entrant. Brian Cage will personally pick whoever he thinks was most impressive earlier in the night, and that person will get a shot at the title as well. So it could be Tessa, it could be Shima, it could be Trey Miguel, it could be Bully Ray, it could be Daga. Anybody who competed earlier in the night might get that last shot. Speaking of war of attrition, why not have two instead of just one? You have it on the women. <laughs> exactly. You have it on the women's side as well. And, and Tessa Blanchard, who's not only the Warrior Wrestling Women's Champion, she's also the Impact Wrestling Heavyweight Champion. She will be defending the Warrior Women's title in a match against Taya Valkyrie, the returning Kylie Ray, the returning Britt Baker. We got Madison Rain coming in, Big Swole, Ray Lynn, and Tasha Steeles. Talk about the talent in that match. Yeah, we set out to, again, you know, if, if it works for the men, why not for the women? And so Tessa had actually won our women's title in May at Warrior 5, but did not defend it at Warrior 6 because she was in a dream tag team match with Daga against the Lucha Brothers. And she was not available at Warrior 7, as the world just learned a couple days ago. She had a, very quietly had a knee surgery in December. And so a lot of people said, well, Tessa's never defended the belt. And we said, you're right. So now she's going to defend it to make up for those shows. And so we brought in the seven best competitors we possibly could, and we very specifically wanted to represent all different companies all around the world. So you've got Ray Lynn from Women of Wrestling Wow, you've got Tasha Steeles from the NWA, you've got Madison Rain and Taya Valkyrie from Impact, you've got Britt Baker and Big Swole from AEW, and then you've got Kylie Ray, who had been AEW, but is current freelance wrestling champ. So we thought we're going to bring in the greatest female wrestlers from all different promotions and have one dream match that you can't see anywhere else. We have the big six-man tag team match, which was the very first match announced for the show. You have the three members of the Rascals from Impact Wrestling against the Stronghearts we've seen in AEW. Talk a little bit about that. That was actually the first match we announced for this show, and it was the anchor match when we were laying this show out. The Rascals obviously are incredible on Impact, but they have been stealing the show at Warrior Wrestling since Warrior 4 when they had a main event with Cage, and then at Warrior 7, the incredible main event with Osprey and Amazing Red and Rocky Romero. And we had the opportunity to bring in the, the Stronghearts from OWE and who have been featured all throughout the run of uh, AEW on Dynamite and some of the specials. And so we just thought Rascals and Stronghearts, it's, it's a match made in heaven. And actually, two of the Rascals trained with the Stronghearts when they were in Japan in Dragon Gate. And so it just made perfect sense. This is going to be a dream match. It's going to tear the place down. If you love hard-hitting, fast-paced, Japanese strong style and modern indie style wrestling, this is the match for you. Can't wait to see it. It should be very exciting. Uh, another match that's got my attention is Bully Ray, formerly known as Bubba Ray Dudley, WWE Hall of Famer, Impact Wrestling Hall of Famer, now works for ROH and Busted Open Radio. He's taking on Brian Pillman Jr., which should be a really interesting clash of styles. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, and, and what's interesting is that it has heated up significantly on social media the last couple of days. Uh, Brian Pillman, obviously the son of the original Brian Pillman, who was with Bully Ray in ECW, and they've gone back and forth with some comments that Bully Ray made about Brian's dad, and it, it is... Uh, it is going to be interesting to see what happens when they collide. Bully is a brawler. He's a hardcore wrestler kind of guy. Pillman a little bit more of a high flyer, charismatic, quick speed kind of a guy. It's a clash of styles. It's a clash of generations. And now it's a very personal clash. So we're, we're excited, uh, a little bit scared, but um, excited about what might happen out of this one. 
Will there be tables involved is the major question. You know, Bully has promised that he's bringing furniture. So Lord knows what will happen with it, but it's going to be there. Okay. And real quick, I'm just going to throw out some of the other matches, and then uh, I'll maybe make a couple of comments at the very end. We have Jonathan Gresham against Daga. Then we have the North, who I believe are still the Impact Tag Team Champions, Ethan mm-hmm. Page and Josh Alexander, against the Freelance Tag Team Champions and the Space Pirates, Shane Saber and Space Monkey. And then you have Alex Shelley, who just recently returned after a long hiatus, coming back to wrestling. He's uh, facing Ren Narita. And then um, we have Kevin Ario versus Templario in a lucha match. And then mm-hmm. one, of, one of my favorite guys to follow as of late is Robert Ego Anthony with Frank the Clown in his corner against Warhorse, who some people have seen in Black Label Pro, uh, if you're talking local, uh, down in Northwest Indiana. And real quick mm-hmm. about Ego, and obviously you have always have great stuff to say about him. He had a heck of a weekend between Freelance and Freelance Underground. That guy can work as a heel. He can work as a face. He he was bleeding at Freelance. He's an unbelievable guy. Tell me about some of your experiences with uh, Robert Ego Anthony. Well, he is just, he's the total package. As a lot of us have talked about before, just in, in private conversations, um, he's a guy that should be getting looks from the big leagues. And um, he's, he's, as you said, he can play a total heel. He can play a baby face. He has the egotistical, fantastico, alter ego. Um, and the guy can wrestle any style, too. He can brawl. He can wrestle lucha. He can wrestle modern indie style. He is just totally polished. And, and when you add Frank the Clown as the mouthpiece, we think that that act is just incredible. And clearly it is, you you know, if anybody that was at Freelance this past weekend, the place was packed to see them versus Kylie Ray. And what a great main event of great characters clashing. And that's what we think this match will be with Warhorse, too. Warhorse is an incredible babyface, just an incredible character who's really found his voice over the last year. And so as much as this will be a great wrestling match, it will be a great clash of characters, too. Should be a great fun show, action-packed. Is there any other match that we really didn't touch upon that much that you think could be a show stealer? You know, when we lay these out, we lay them out so that as you look at the card up to down, you go, oh, that could steal the show. Oh, that could steal the show. And I'm looking at it right now while we're talking. And, you know, Cavernario and Templario, how the heck are you going to follow that? Gresham and Daga, Shima and the Rascals. I know the Space Pirates in the North are coming to just burn the place down. Alex Shelley got an incredible ovation last time he was with us against Austin Aries. And I know he's motivated to absolutely follow that up even bigger and better. So our hope is that you walk away from Warrior Wrestling 8 going, that was an incredible night of wrestling. I can't believe they did it again. Well, one comment I have about Warrior Wrestling is I was telling people the other day about this, is sometimes you don't feel like you even have a chance to breathe everything is so high <laughs> high paced up 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 and there's like no cool cool down match and it's absolute adrenaline for three and a half to four hours i feel so tired after all your shows i could just sleep the whole next day it's an actually amazing experience yeah that's that's the goal i mean we really wanted to i've used this analogy before in talking to a few people i want it to feel like a college basketball game i want you to be cheering screaming going crazy having a blast for three hours and then you're just done you know that's that's the goal so if that's where if you leave exhausted mike then we've done our job all right steve totorello thank you very much for coming on with the windy city slam podcast good luck with the show on saturday night and i will see you there sounds good mike we'll see you in a few days imagine if an ex-us marshal registered nurse and current military chaplain who is also a neighborhood priest sat down at my nine-foot homemade oak bar, poured himself a drink, and answered any question I asked him. 
Now imagine if I really asked everything. That's me and the priest. It is another great 30-minute podcast from the Broadcast Basement Network. Maybe check it out after this show. It's found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at meandthepriest.com. So, what do you take from that? Oh, um, it's going to be a hell of a show Saturday night over at Marian Catholic. Um, it always is. I mean, as I just said toward the end of the interview, man, I just feel so tired after these because everything's up, 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 up. There's no cool down mat. I mean, you get like a, a like maybe a twenty minute intermission between like halfway through the card, but man, yeah. And the next day after a warrior show, I am just dragging. Really? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, something I, <laughs> I you might see you might see the entirety of Windy City Slam out there for that one. That would be really awesome. All right, so let's talk a little bit about big storylines, things going on. I know Goldberg is going to be fighting the Fiend. Uh, you and I were talking before we even got on the air. I was like, I I don't see how they're going to go over to Saudi Arabia and change belts with those two, but you never know. Yeah, I'm sure it's a big cash grab for Goldberg. Not not that, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that he's a, a money grubber or anything like that, but obviously Saudi Arabia, they have a little bit of a pull in terms of wanting the big stars, especially from the past. Right. So I'm seeing Goldberg. A suitcase and of money Fiend. was handed across for yeah. him to come and do that. Yeah, Vince, I'm sure, is getting a lot of money from right, this too. Right, right. So, yeah, it, it should be interesting. You know, um, Goldberg was awesome back in the day in WCW. I loved his character. The spear and the jackhammer were the best. And the Fiend with his uh, psychological character, I... I, I can't wait to see this match. I mean, I'm hoping it's more than five minutes, but you never know with Goldberg's, uh, not that he's in his 50s, so we'll see how that goes. And that's in a couple weeks on February 27th in Saudi Arabia. Based upon the last interview I saw with him, I don't think he sees himself as anybody that does more than five minutes. Pretty it's, much. He's going to do a spear. He might do a jackhammer. If he's going to lose, it's going to be, be basically something that out of the ordinary happens because that's what the character is. So it, I, that's a that's a quick appearance. His flight, when you compare his flight over and his flight back to how long he'll actually be in the ring, it is a sand in the hourglass of the, in time. It, it's just going to be like blink and it's over. It's amazing to me. Yeah. And he'll make a ton of money doing it. What else is up? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about AEW. Um, this past week, you had a chance to watch it. We talked a little bit about it at the beginning, but the main event segment was was really the one that drew me in was MJF and Cody Rhodes with MJF giving Cody the 10 lashes. Now, this was a condition that Cody agreed to in order to get the match at Revolution against MJF. This was the first uh, part of it. He had to take the 10 lashes like a man in the middle of the ring. Man, it was brutal. And then the second part, now that he's completed the 10 lashes in a couple weeks on Dynamite, he has to face the mighty Wardlow in AEW's first ever cage match. And if he gets past that, then the Cody Rhodes-MJF match at Revolution will be official. I mean, wow, that, that, those 10 lashes. Were that, that. Does he go through the whole thing and then the swerve is that MJF comes up with something and says that you didn't do this exactly right and that becomes like a weird swerve at the end where he doesn't want to face him or he tries to find a way to get out of it? I mean, I feel like it's being set up that way. Well, I can see MJF doing something like that, but I think this match is for sure going to happen at Revolution. Well, no, I think it happens at Revolution, but what I'm wondering is, is there a swerve in there where he tries to back out of the thing? And then, like, you know, something crazy happens at Revel. Like, that's what I'm saying. There's, like, an extra swerve there that I see coming. Because you're dragging this out over multiple episodes, this beating, just so we can get this match. 
it would make sense for the villain then to sit there and say, now I'm also going to do this or I'm going to back out of it or whatever. That makes so much more sense to me from a storytelling standpoint. Yeah, I mean, he he's a uh, chicken crap heel and I can see him trying to do that too. Right. I just want to mention one more local show this coming weekend in addition to Warrior Wrestling. It's actually the same night, Saturday night, February 15th. Berwyn Championship Wrestling comes back to the Eagles Club and they have a nice... Uh, they have a pretty decent show lined up. Shogun Chris Logan defending the BCW title against the heartthrob Jaden, who happens to be the initial BCW champion. So it's kind of an interesting little history lesson there. And then a couple other matches, number one contender match between Jack Monahan, Roy Flash Gordon, and Just Amazing in a triple threat. And then one more triple threat on that card between one of my favorite guys locally, the Chicago Bear Hug, Steve Michaels, taking on Aaron Stone and Kid Fox. I think Steve is a guy that could make it big. You might see him in, a, in an AEW. You might see him in a WWE or NXT someday. Real big dude. Um, nice as heck outside the ring, but we'll get that at some other point. But yeah, in the ring, he's a monster. Uses the bear hug as one of his finishers. All around good guy. Watch out for the Chicago bear hug in your new future. All right, here's the deal. If you're listening to Windy City Slam right now, make sure that you subscribe. Hit the subscription button on whatever player that you're listening to. Spread the word. Pass it around. Mike's working his butt off on this thing. Uh, you're going to be, you got Warrior Wrestling coming up. You're going to be at, you're at the next AEW event, right, too? Yeah, busy February. For yeah, me. you yes. are. You're going to be everywhere. If you see Mike, make sure you come up and say hello. We are back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Every Tuesday, Windy City Slam, found everywhere podcasts can be found, and always at WindyCitySlam.com. Woo! my name, I love-